Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 174 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I'm Anthony. And we're going to sit down. We're going to talk. We're going to drink beer. We're going to talk about the Bible. Gospel of Mark uh, going to keep going tonight. Yeah. Pretty much all the things we we have done for four years. Yeah. Pretty much. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're in a good rhythm right now because we got like the, the splitting up of the New Testament books where we go... Um, data and advice in a week and then all the walk through the next week i i'm liking this rhythm i think maybe we i think we keep i mean i will obviously keep rolling with it for a while because some of these new testament books man yeah they're pretty good they're good there's a lot to talk about yeah it's not that the old testament books didn't deserve a deeper dive but maybe there's there's not as much content for those necessarily Well, I mean, when you're talking about like big, long narrative stories that take up four or five chapters, mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can literally be like, okay, here's what happened. I mean, we we're not going into detail. That's yeah, that's we true. want you to read the detail. We're just kind of giving you anyway. Yeah, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. How's your week been, man? Dude, it's good. Uh, Monday was Memorial Day, and that's right. uh, yeah, so uh, had a day off and. That means we have to cram a full week's worth of work into four days, which is which is awesome. Um, we've been staying busy, doing a lot of getting a lot of things done. Uh, me and my wife are going out of town this weekend for a couple of days, just us. So that's cool. That yep, kiddos are staying with their grant with uh, her parents, and uh, we're enjoy just some just some us time. Haven't had that nice. in haven't had multiple nights of that. Uh, it's been a minute so nice that's always good yeah so we're gonna get some rest and recharge and be back at it next week so how about you what's going on man it is uh it's summertime school is out we've been uh we spent i feel like we spent the month out for summer summer. (laughs) anyway um so we spent like almost the entire month of may on the road it feels like um it was gone a lot. If, if I wasn't gone or we weren't gone as a family, then my wife and kids were gone somewhere. I mean, it, it was, we're back we, and we're like, we're not going anywhere. Someone's like, you want to come out? We're like, no. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're hitting summer in stride. We've got our redneck Riviera. So every year we have a thing that we do. Um, we buy like a $25 inflatable pool for the summer mm-hmm. and we just put it in the backyard and we call it the redneck Riviera. And we fill it up pretty much every day that it's sunny, so the kids can just play in the water. Okay, I was I was about to ask you that. So we just got one of those uh, our, we for our kids uh, mm-hmm. for their birthday. Um, and I was going to ask if you fill it up like once and leave it, or ever like just fill it up all the time. I fill it up like all the time. Day. Yeah, I refill it because okay. I let it sit for like two days one time, and the water was gross. I'm sure. <laughs> You just so, threw the thing away and got a new one. Like it was well, easier than draining it and cleaning it. There's been a couple of times I've had that. There was one time I let it sit. I guess I don't know if we were out of town and I accidentally left water or what, but like it was in there for like a week and it got moldy. And oh gosh. and I tried to wash it and it mostly came clean, but it was that was luckily it was near the end of the summer. So I was like, Yeah, we're just gonna throw it away. We're gonna be done. <laughs> yeah, we just we we've uh we got one couple weeks ago for our kids for their birthday um nice and we've only used it once because it's only like i guess it was memorial day when we use it but that was the only that's the only day that we've been able to do anything i guess Mm -hmm. but 
Yep. So that's where we are. Just hanging out, cool. having a good time, working, staying busy, doing all of those things, all those normal things. But other than that, we're just going to keep trucking, keep going along. Yeah. Keep doing it. So, Michael, what beer so, do you have tonight? So tonight I have, I could have sworn that you did this one from Parish, but I see now that it's a, something a little different. So uh-huh. I have from Parish Brewing Company based in... Uh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Broussard, Louisiana. I said another in Louisiana. I have extra sauce lemonade shandy, and it looks Dude. just like the extra or uh, no slaw extra toast. No slaw extra toast. Yeah. Um. So that's that's why I was I was convinced you had this, and now I'm seeing that you don't. So that the no slaw was an IPA. It, it's. I will say this: No Slaw is the only IPA that I have ever liked. Well, this is a lemonade shandy, so uh, extra sauce, lemonade shandy, um, imperial golden ale with lemon puree, seven percent ABV, um, beer and can by Parish Brewing Company. This was canned on April twentieth of this year. I like to I like to know that now just for just for the sake of it. Um and parishbeer.com has a description here that says an amped up take on the classic beer lemonade cocktail mixture. Extra sauce combines a refreshing yet sturdy pilsner base and zests it up with a sunbeam of fresh Meyer lemon puree. So um and it's got like a stack of raisin cane sauce on the can. Oh which nice. Is real yeah. cool. Mine had this. Mine had a piece of toast, a raisin cane toast yeah. on it. We're about to get a raisin canes not too far from here, dude. Not gonna lie, raisin canes is really good. If you so, is it like a you, is it like a amped up Zaxby's? No, it's like a fresher, better Zaxby's. Have so, you had Huey Magoo's? No, I have not had that. It's that that's like a better Zaxby's, like a well, like a fresher Zaxby's. I mean, if we're being honest, any chicken is better than Zaxby's. Like. That's I despise Zaxby's. <laughs> I really do. I hate it. We so here in Mobile, we have a local place called Fusackley's. And mm-hmm. Fusackley's is to me? <laughs> you watch your mouth. <laughs> so to me, Fusackley's is the gold standard in chicken. Uh-huh. Uh they just their breading is just right. They cook it just right. It's never dry. All their sauces are homemade. Um, I mean, I realize they're not the size of Zaxby's. Zaxby's can't really home make their sauces or whatever, but I mean, if they really cared, they would. Um, but it is just like, it's the best. I -hmm. love Fusackley's. And so Fusackley's has almost single-handedly put Zaxby's out of our area. Like there's some, there's some open Zaxby's, but they don't stay very busy. How many Fus, Fu, whatever it is. Fusackley's? There are one, two, three. There are four within 20 minutes of my house. One. Do I? I thought there was just one. I thought there was just one. No, well, there's four of them. I mean, it's a fast food restaurant, but they're only in Mobile. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're only in Mobile. So I have to come down to Mobile to get the best chicken or whatever? Yes, yes, you do. That's sad. I I live like 20 minutes from the self-proclaimed chicken capital of the world. So, yeah, that's that's I'm sure they get their chicken from up there because... It's fantastic sure, chicken. Yeah, maybe so. But anyway, extra sauce lemonade shandy from Parish is what I'm drinking. What are you drinking nice. tonight? So for the next uh next week's I so my wife, when she went to North Carolina, um got me a mix six pack from the local grocery store up there. So I'm gonna I only have one offs here. Um, but they're gonna be from all over the place. This is the Lazy Hiker Brewing Company, and they are in Franklin, North Carolina. Mm. Uh, up there in the mountains, and this is the Trailmate Golden Ale. So this is—I I don't really think this is anything like super special, um, but it—it it should be just a pretty good beer. They describe it the way they describe it is actually really good on their website. It says uh, like a well-worn trail. This golden ale is perfect synthesis of malt and hops, and in a timeless package. Classic European hops meet American barley to provide a touch of sweetness and just enough bright hoppy bitterness while the beer finishes light, crisp, and refreshing. So 
I'm I'm hoping this is going to be like a summertime ish ale, but like for mountain people. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's four point six. I mean, it's a standard. It's four point six twenty IBUs. It's a golden ale. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm not really anticipating anything crazy out of this, but I'm hoping it's uh it's pretty crisp and refreshing. I will say this. So I got a new cup this week, and we don't have video, so you can't see it, but. Um, I was say, who are you showing that to? I've already seen it. <laughs> so I, uh, I had a gift card to a local local shop around here. Go in there, and I was going to use up my gift card and buy a couple of things. So I, I try to support locals when I can. Get to talking to the guy; he's super nice. But I got me a new mug. So uh, Redbeard's Outfitter in Mobile, Alabama. If you listen to us and you're near Mobile, swing by Redbeard's and pick you up a uh, a hat and a beer mug and something fun. Um, because, uh, he's a really cool guy. The guy that owns it, I, I got to chatting with him for a little while. We have some mutual friends and, and things like that. So it was a good time. But if you're in mobile, check out Redbeard's Outfitters. There's your plug for the week. That was awesome. free. <laughs> I, I about to say, we, we don't usually have plugs for the week, but we here we don't. are. We, we were not paid for that for the record. <laughs> well, shall we drink? We shall. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Don't think this is going to be anything earth shattering, but it does smell pretty good. Okay. I dipped my nose into the foam. That's how you know it's good. Uh, It was not on purpose. (laughs) I do like that Parrish serves their beers in 16-ounce cups. Nice. Looking good over here. Well, let's turn them up, see how they taste, and get some reviews down. Let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. All right, I'm going to let you simmer on yours for a minute. Because I can do my... It's like the third week in a row you've said, I'm going to let you simmer on yours. (laughs) You've had good ones. Mine have been pretty pretty run-of-the-mill. Plus, I can do this one really fast. This is a a really good, just kind of like, there's nothing crazy. It's got a good mixture. Exactly. I mean, the hops and the, the malts mix really well. It's not overly bitter. But it's also not um it's not too like it's it's a good mix. And so it's it's got a great just kind of light beer flavor. It it actually has good flavor. Um a little richer flavor than I was expecting from just a regular old golden ale like the Houdat. Um I think mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm like I'm going back to the the Houdat because it was pretty good. Um but all that, I mean, this is a really good beer, really well done, brewed well. Um I kind of wish I had more than one of this one because it would be a good just kind of during the day, not during the day, dinner beer, something like that. I don't drink while I'm at work, obviously. So I'm going to give this four Luthers. Um, you oh, know, wow. just just because okay. it's just because it's run, you know, it's there's nothing. They don't claim anything crazy um, mm-hmm. to push it to five Luthers. And so um, four Luthers all day. It's good. This is a really good beer. Um I would hmm. if I had if I saw it, I would be okay to drink it. You know, I'd be like, sure, I'll take one of those. So Cheryl Mate Golden Ale getting four Luthers from me. Anthony, right. how is the lemonade shandy? It's it's pretty good. Um it remind it's taking me back to the Robler that we had. Oh, nice. Yeah. With um the Ray Danks. The Ray Danks, yeah. With Bob and with so that's that's what it's that was his name right Bob yep. yeah um, Bob and Kelly that that's what it's taking me back to is the rock okay um, it has that similar um, texture um, lemonade is very strong very good is very lemon like lemon tart sour mm-hmm. um, but it's not like overbearing it's not 
too much. It's like it's perfect. Um, I could imagine drinking this mm-hmm. at a chicken fast food restaurant. <laughs> like I don't know if it's because of the way I had the can turned right now, the s- stack of sauces on it is like looking back at me. <laughs> But it like I pictured myself in a chicken tender restaurant drinking this thing. I wonder um, if Raisin Cane's actually serves this beer in their in their restaurants. I I wish they did. That would be awesome. I don't know if they serve alcohol. I don't think they do. I've never seen one that does. I've never been to a Raisin Cane, so I have. They're good. Anyway, um, but I mean this is good. It's, it, I mean, it's very good. It's not five Luther good. Um, oh, I'll, we're I'll gonna get a three Pete. I know. I, <laughs> I just can't do it. Um, there's something holding it back. I don't know what it is. Um, but I'll give it four. I'll go all the way to four and a half. Four and a half. Nice. I'll go to four and a half Luthers on this. It's that good. Um, How's the lemon flavor? Because I may try to find t- it now. It tastes like. Uh, fresh squeezed lemon. Oh, okay. It doesn't taste like Country Time Lemonade lemon. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it because... tastes like lemon puree. Oh, nice. Which is what they say. Which is what they say on their website that it was brewed with. Brewed with lemon puree. Okay. Because if I could, because I do like the the no slaw. That's mm-hmm. I, I, you know, knowing that IPAs are banned on the podcast, I will willingly admit that I would buy no slaw. And actually I have bought it again. Um, so it is pretty much the only IPA that I will actively drink. Um, mm-hmm. but if I could find a, a good suitable replacement for that, then I can say, I can feel good about saying, no, I'm never going to drink an IPA again because I, <laughs> I have something to replace it with. So I'll see if I can find that one because they are around here. So I'm sure I could probably, Pick that one up somewhere. Do it. I will do it. I'll do it. I'm going to find one. Well, there you go. There's a couple of beers. Um, We're going to sip on these for a bit. And uh, after we take a short break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the book of Mark. We're going to walk through the book of Mark. If you are just now joining us, if you haven't caught up yet, make sure you go back and get all of the orienting data, the advice uh, that we hit up last week on um the gospel of mark because tonight we're jumping Mm -hmm. right in chapter one verse one and we're going to do that right after this break We're back from our quick little break, which is always longer in real life than than it is because I always cut it down because we talk about things in between. But yeah, uh, I'm giving away show secrets here. I got to quit doing that. Hey, now. What, am I, what am I saying? There's no show secrets. <laughs> We're just two idiots trying to figure this thing out. Y'all know that. Yeah. So, when, uh, well, when was it that had the little like you forgot to unmute something? When oh, was that? Well, that was last week. So last, that was week, last week. So yeah. I had the whole thing done. And then, so it's like, it's multiple channels of audio. Well, I had muted one so I could get another one like in line. And I forgot to uh, go back and unmute it. <laughs> so again, you know, yeah, that is Show what secrets. it is. <laughs> Show secrets. Anthony's always the one messing it up. <laughs> Anthony is the one that's mixing it down. So if you have issues with the audio quality, blame him. Blame me. That's fine. So, but I guess also like I could have listened to it before you sent it, before it went live and could have caught that. But you well, know, to be fair, who has I don't, the time? I don't think I uploaded that episode until like you know nine thirty Thursday night or something stupid. <laughs> like like while we were recording that night, <laughs> pretty much that was about it. <laughs> it was uh, like oh shoot, I got to get this up. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. So yes. That's us. Now you know our secrets. You know we're not this uh, majorly produced thing. We're just two dudes and a couple of computers and a Zoom phone call. 
<laughs> we're, oiled, we're a well-oiled machine, but we may need some fresh oil. <laughs> there you go. So we're diving into uh, Mark tonight, and it's going to be chapter by chapter. We're going to walk through this. Um, we're going to pick up here at the very beginning. Mark uh, really is going to divide out into about six major sections. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. hit those. We got like this prologue and epilogue uh, with four parts in the middle. Um, and so Mark just kind of hits it out. We we talked about this last week. Um, everything in Mark is really like high level, rapid fire. There's like Mark doesn't give tons and tons of details um, because he is. I mean, again, like think about the person who's telling the story and they just and and uh, actually it was I think it was the book. I don't know if we mentioned this last week, but the use of the word and over and over and over. It's like, and then this happened and then that happened. So it's almost like this like giant run on sentence. I was about to say, it's like talking to a five-year-old. Yes, that too. Because and this and this and then this and then this and, <laughs> and then, then this, this. Forever, forever. For all of eternity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, oh, so that's what we're hitting tonight. So just kind of keep that in mind as we walk through this because we're not going to give a ton of details. We're going to highlight a few things, but we're not going to give a ton of details walking through this because Mark doesn't give a ton of details. Mm. Um, but we also want you to read it. We want you to see the things that Mark pulls out um, and and the details that he does give. So like I said, it's a rapid fire approach. He gives us basically the first 30 years of Jesus's life in 15 verses. So I don't know how much more rapid fire you can get than that. 30 years, 15 verses. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Um, but what he does do is he ties Jesus to Elijah, John the Baptist. So he's setting Jesus up as the Messiah, like from the get go. Um, mm-hmm. He he's pointing yeah. out that Jesus is the Messiah. He's coming and and he's serving in the messianic role. That's that's Mark's uh, kind of main perspective here. Um, what he is going to give us, though, uh, one thing he is going to give us is that the kingdom of God is coming. Um, it's going to set up this like new good kingdom, uh, kingdom of God kind of thing. And this new good kingdom is going to be based in faith and repentance. Okay. Um, that's going to be critical when it comes to books like acts um, and Romans. Yeah. Uh, so remember that. All right. All right. Because he's talking about faith and repentance here through this gospel. And he's, what he's going to do, you're going to see this like back and forth thing where he's showing how some people get it and some people don't. And that's part of this whole like mystery motif that's going to go through the book um, because mm-hmm. everything's kind of hidden. Not everybody knows what's going on and Jesus kind of has to explain it. There's times where the disciples miss what's going on. Then there's times where the religious li- religious leaders miss what's going on. Um, and there's going to be stories that are, that kind of serve as like a parallel or a, um, Oh, what's the, the M word I'm looking for here? Um, Metaphor, metaphor, like a metaphor uh, for for a kingdom principle that we're trying to learn. All those kind of things are going to be happening as we walk through. But but just know that mm-hmm. in the first fifteen verses, that's Mark is Mark is basically opening the book and saying, "Here's everything that you need to know about this guy that is vitally important for what I'm about to tell you." Um, yeah, it's quick, and he says, and he goes from Jesus was born and end of chapter one. Oh yeah. Uh, here we go. Now he started his ministry. And by the way, that was 30 years. So, yeah. So that kind of sets us. That's our prologue. That gives us our introduction. Walk us through this first part. Yeah. So the first part um, is the kingdom goes public. Um, we're going to see uh, the disciples, the crowds in opposition. Um, Mark starts after he's set up everything in the prologue. He starts with um, the story of the disciples call, which is to come and follow Jesus. Um, and then, well, I'm sorry, that's really a key to much of the gospel, just come and follow Jesus. Yeah. But then even after that, the disciples fade to the background for much of this se- this first section because yeah. then Marcus, Mark's focus turns to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, they're amazed on Jesus. Um, they're amazed on who he has compassion for, who he is um, popular with. Um and you know the the crowds in this short narrative, um, they're so amazed with Jesus because this is only you know this is not even a full chapter of Mark. This is you know thirty verses, yeah, twice as long as his life story at the beginning. <laughs> um, 
but they're so amazed with Jesus to the point where he can't even go to town openly. Yeah. Which we, we talked about, I believe we talked about it last week, this um, hidden identity motive mm-hmm. um, where um, Jesus kind of has, you know, like you were just saying, Anthony, like there's a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of detail, but it's here's everything that happened. Um, Jesus is having to do a not not having to do a lot of things in secret, but doing a lot of things in secret because yeah. of how popular and how crazy it got in such a short period of time. Yeah. Um, and then well, that leads us. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, say on 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 that same thing right there though. It it also not only that, but it also. I mean, Jesus Jesus wasn't coming to be like the entire world's friend, you know. Right. He wasn't. Right, he right. wasn't. That wasn't his purpose. Now, you're going to be like Anthony. That sounds incredibly insensitive. I realize how it sounds, but it's the truth. Um, you know, Jesus didn't come to heal every single sickness. Uh, while he was on the earth, he came to live a perfect life and and die the death that we we deserve. That's what he came for. So part of that is going to be that, you know, he can't heal everyone. And so he has to keep his identity kind of a mystery or hidden because there's going to be certain people who don't understand or who won't understand um, or or are serving a different purpose other than being healed. And so so there, you know. It's a, it's really complicated, and I and I hate to try to you know compact it down, condense it into something as short and as, as this, mm-hmm. but just understand that there has to be this this secretive aspect of Jesus and who He is that not everybody yeah. will know and not everybody will understand who Jesus is and what His purpose is. So just kind of keep that keep that joggling around in your mind. I closed one of my tabs that I usually have open during this part because I mm-hmm. usually like cover the zoom window. Cause I want to hear, I want to see your reaction when I say this. Yeah. You sound a little like a Calvinist right now. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. You- anyway. So what? No comment. Okay. No comment. I, I, okay. plead, the, I plead the fifth. Okay. <laughs> all right. So all of that leads into um, the opposition, which is going to be in chapter two in the beginning of chapter three. There's um, five short narratives that are set up here. Um, there's this question, why in each of the first four, Mark shows the reasons for the opposition um, with each of these. Um, <laughs> in uh, chapter two, verse seven, uh Jesus is accused of blasphemy, making himself equal with God. Um, in chapter 2, verse 16, he's uh, he's eating with sinners. In verse 18, he is failing to keep the rules. In uh, chapter 2, verse 24, he breaks the Sabbath, or he's breaking the Sabbath. That's mm-hmm. – I'm putting air quotes on that. Um, <laughs> and then by the end of uh, – by the end of the section here, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, the opposition is solidified. Uh, yeah. There's religious opposition. There's political sop, uh, opposition, um, and really, this is the first hint of Jesus's death. Like, this mm-hmm. is the first hint that, hey, Jesus is going to, he's going to die. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the first time that is the first time we see it in Mark. If you're familiar with scripture or Christianity in general, you know it comes. But um, first time in Mark that we see it. So, spoiler alert. Yeah, that's like <laughs> that's like um. Darth Vader, like Vader means father. Like mm-hmm. if you know in German, it's like if you know German, you're like, oh, that's like not the biggest plot twist ever. But <laughs> here we are. So here we are. anyway, anyway, so that sets us up. We're through uh, the beginning of chapter three. So why don't you take us through the second part here? Yeah. So the next two parts are really going to be a lot of the meat of uh, of Mark when it comes to um development um you know storyline development all that kind of stuff and so in part two what we see this chapter kind of the the middle of chapter three all the way through most of chapter eight um we're gonna see this the mystery of the kingdom okay um the first thing we're gonna see is is uh this mystery of the kingdom kind of like 
coming out into into the story, coming into the story. So he pulls from part one. He's he's got this this motif of the disciples, the crowds, the opposition. He set that up, and he's going to pull the disciples into into the main part of the narrative right here for a minute. And so, what he does is he uses Jesus' parables to introduce the mystery of the kingdom. Now, this is chapters like three and four that he's going to do this. Okay. Um, and then in this notice through all of this, uh, chapters three and four, you're going to see that there are people who oppose Jesus. And, and that's, you just kind of hit on that where it sets up the opposition and it really sets the narrative of Jesus is coming to die. Okay. And so those who are opposing Jesus are portrayed as fulfilling uh, a prophecy from Isaiah chapter six, verses nine and 10. Okay. Mm. Um, uh, again, see the parallels between new Testament and old Testament. Um, that I, I love that graph and we've talked about it before where you have the references or of, of ways that new Testament authors reference old Testament, uh, verses. And it, and it just looks like this huge giant web of lines. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, remember that that when all this is happening, when all this is going down, there is no New Testament. Like the the Gospel of Matthew wasn't written when Jesus was born. The Gospel of Matthew was written after, you know, after his death. Same thing with with the uh, the Gospel of Mark. It's written years after the fact, and so mm-hmm. it's an eyewitness testimony. But it's it's you're going back and kind of recounting the story. So as you're reading it. It's not, you know, it is happening, but it's not like Mark's writing it down as it happens. Right. Okay. Um, and so, you know, but what Mark is pulling from as he's writing this down is he's thinking of all the things that he studied in the Old Testament. So that's where you're going to get these parallels or you're going to get this, these draw and these pulls from Old Testament passages into New Testament passages is because the authors would have been well-versed and well-studied in uh, Old Testament books, you know, to them, it would just yeah. be in the prophets or the Torah or things like that. So, yeah. um, so that's the kingdom, the mystery of the kingdom. And then we got the kingdom, uh, that is present in power and we see the blindness of the world. Okay. Um, Jesus is going to start putting his, his power on display a little bit here in, in a set of narratives. And, and again, notice how faith begins to be a repetitive theme in these, these kind of series of, of, narratives the stories um it's gonna it's gonna portray people who have faith you know they they mm-hmm. be, they believe something um because you know it, there there's not really any any kind of explanation they just say no i believe this and and jesus says you know your faith has has made you well or, or things like that in these stories and so what we see here is is an example that true faith even though it's not easy a lot of times will come from God because you'll see that that um oh I can't remember exactly which verse it is it's in it's in chapter five um where where I, th- I think it's when Peter confesses I'm not 100 certain and my brain is going blank right now um but but essentially Jesus says you know what you just admitted could not have come out of you God had to give that to you um mm. and and so so tie that that idea of faith and then tie that to Ephesians two later when Paul, when he says, for it is by grace, you have been saved through faith, which is the gift of God. Now in, in that literary, in that, in that sin syntax, the gift of God is tied back to faith. Okay. We're saved by grace. So our salvation is through grace. Those two tie together through faith. That is the gift of God. And so when when you have this faith that is given, that's that's what you're going to start to see as Mark continues to build his narration about Jesus. Is that this faith comes from God? Again, this is a this is the mystery side of the faith. You know, this is something that we don't necessarily get to understand because it's outside of a finite realm of understanding. But we still have to accept it. Um, and so. So you you tie it to verses like Ephesians two eight nine, and you see this building of of faith playing a role in salvation and faith coming from God and faith being the gift of God, um, and then we go to the next section, which is the kingdom's going to be extended to the Gentiles, and this is what I was talking about a little bit ago, where like you get this part of a narration and then it flips because 
the disciples have been kind of a main role for a little while now, and then it's going to flip and you're going to see Mark include the Gentiles. You're, you're going to see the disciples um, are going to go start ministering to Gentiles. They're going to have rules and, and, and these things, and the Pharisees are going to come into play. Um, they're going to test Jesus because they want, you know, they want worldly power. Um, they're trying to deceive. They're trying to trip him up. And, you know, the only temptation of Jesus didn't happen in the wilderness. Jesus was constantly tempted, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to do something, to trip up. And, and the religious leaders, I mean, they wanted to, you know, I'm, I'm sure they weren't like, uh, you know, oh, let's see if we can trip up the Messiah. I'm sure they thought they were doing a good thing. You know, this guy's claiming to be this. Let's try to let's try to prove that he's not. Let's try, you know, instead of instead of looking and analyzing and seeing if he actually was fulfilling scripture, they were more interested in proving what he was not because they were they knew that if that happened, they would lose their own political power, mm-hmm. religious political power. Okay. So, so the Pharisees are are gonna gonna try to trip him up. The disciples are gonna totally miss the point uh, because they're you know they're not looking at the Pharisees the right way. And so Jesus is gonna reference back to Isaiah six here. Uh, he's gonna call back to Isaiah six when he's when he's basically saying, "Disciples, uh, you, you guys missed the boat here." You, you know, and this gets us to the end really of like chapter eight. Um, right in this section, uh, as as Jesus is is going back and forth with the disciples and the religious leaders, um, mm-hmm. so watch the narration here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna interject his here because we're kind of in the middle. If you have the ability to read the book of Mark without chapters and verses, I would read it that way because so many times we break down reading into, oh, I'm going to read chapter two, I'm going to read chapter three. So many of these narrations and these storylines cross over multiple chapters. And yeah. so, you know, if if you have the, if you have pick up a, a copy of God's word, that's no verses, no chapters, and just read, just read the book of Mark with no chapters and verses, read it like a let the letter it was originally written as because it will really kind of give you a different perspective on the stories and the narrations that you're reading and how they flow together. Okay. So that's a total sidebar, not anything really related. You know, I would recommend doing that with all of scripture, but specifically with Mark, because, because Mark does really like, there's not clean breaks on a lot of this stuff. And you're going to, as we talk about it, you're going to see it. So mm-hmm. that's part two. Take us through part three. So in part three, we have uh, the mystery is unveiled. We see the cross and the way of discipleship um, through the rest of chapter eight and through uh, most of chapter 10. Um, so here in the first, uh, so there's, again, three more parts. Um, the uh, the first here is the first passion prediction. Um, and this is at the beginning of this. This is where we get the narrative of Jesus uh, healing the blind man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this serves... Uh, this really has multiple purposes here. It serves to bridge um, the disciples' blindness yeah. that we just talked about, mm-hmm. um, um, and it's a great—I mean, it's a great analogy, great metaphor for they are literally seeing Jesus do things. And we talked about—I think feel like we talked about this 173 times before, because um, that's how many episodes we've done before <laughs> this one. Um, but they have seen Jesus do things over and over and over and over and over and over yeah. and over for however long. And they're still like, yeah, I don't know if he, like I'm following him, but <laughs> when he says he's the Messiah, like I, if, 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 if there's a lot of that, like doubt feels yeah. like from most of the group, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, this, you know, I've never thought of the Jesus healing the blind man as an analogy for the disciples own blindness. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they they obviously needed a second touch and if you if you read through it quickly you can see you you can skip quickly that Jesus touched the blind man twice yeah um first time he sees what looks you know he's he's blurry vision yeah um he said uh see here uh, Jesus spitting on his eye I've got it pulled up I'm not just like Quoting this from memory, I'm not that crazy. Um, <laughs> spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, Jesus asked, "Do you see anything?" He looked up and said, "I see people. They look to me like trees walking." 
Again, Jesus placed his hands on this man's eyes, and he saw distinctly he was cured and could see everything clearly. Then Jesus sent him home, saying, don't even go into the village. So here we see Jesus touched the blind man twice. The disciples need need to be touched again. Mm-hmm. And also we see the we see the secrecy again. Don't yeah. even go into the village. Like go straight home. Yeah. Um, I think Jesus was getting to the point where he was like, he knew what was coming. Yeah. He he knew that the, you know, the crucifixion is, you know, not that far off. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and just go home. Don't yeah. go, don't even go into town. Um uh, and, and here, Peter confesses Jesus is the Christ, but also rejects the notion that the Messiah must die. So again, like every time you know Jesus is talking about, like, yeah, hey, you know, I'm gonna have, Messiah's got to die. You know, Peter especially is, you know, doubting it, and yeah. that that's gonna be classic Peter. You know, <laughs> yeah, God, good grief, Peter, get it together. Um, and then uh, we move into the second passion prediction and um, the aftermath there. In chapters uh, 9 and 10, the disciples get distracted with infighting here. Again, the disciples are not focused on what is actually important, um, which, you know, it's we we joke around a lot. But, like, are we any different than the disciples? Yeah. You know, um, do we not argue about stupid stuff on Facebook all day long, all the time? Yeah, all the time. (laughs) I try not to. I I, I have to refrain. I'll, 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 like, start writing something out. Mm-hmm. And then decide not to type it, and it's not even like church stuff. It could be something stupid, like something yeah. that that won't matter in eternity. But I'm like, man, I really want to post something about this because this yeah. guy sounds like he is <laughs> he drank from a toilet bowl this morning. Um, and then I decide not to not to even you know sometimes I decide not to even engage mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so the disciples are sorry. <laughs> A little distracted there. It's sidebar. Um, so the disciples are squabbling over who's going to be the first Great. in the kingdom. Why um, does it matter? Yeah, who's going to sit at your right? Who's who's going to sit at the right hand of Jesus? Who's going to sit at the left? Like, who, like, what's it matter? You know, <laughs> I don't understand what they're arguing about. You're in heaven. It's pretty great. No matter if you're sitting in like the cheap seats of heaven, that's still better than like that's better than the front row of hell. You know, I'm in the nosebleeds. Great. You're here. You're in. You're in the stadium. Oh gosh. Um. And Jesus, you know, he responds to this question by pointing out that the nature of discipleship is servanthood and a childlike faith. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and, and you know, as as children. We are constantly soaking in information and learning and figuring things out. You know, I have two young kids. Anthony has has two kids. Like, we can vouch for this. Like, kids are constantly learning and mm-hmm. figuring things out and asking questions and asking why forever, it feels yeah. like. And, like, that's discipleship. Like, that childlike yeah. faith is, like, why why are things a certain way or, or how does this passage tie into the old Testament or, or doing deeper dives and learning or figuring out more about how God has wired you to be like, that's, that's the nature of discipleship and helping others along that same path. Like that's the yeah. nature of true discipleship. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's, yeah, I say it's, it's really interesting. Like you, you talked about, the the parents and and growing up with kids so many times like i as a parent i get like frustrated beyond degree with my kids asking me questions this mm-hmm. daddy mm-hmm. can we this daddy that daddy this daddy that and i'm like you're interrupting what i'm trying to get done you know and i'm and then i, I have to sit back and i think and i'm like how am i any different when i'm like God this, God that, God this, God that. You know, how is that any different? Why can't I have patience with my children? Because the thing is, they don't understand because, you know, my son is six, my daughter's 12. Mm -hmm. You know, no, they don't understand the vast majority of how the world works yet. Right. I've I've tried to teach them, but it's, it's a good thing that they're asking questions and it should never aggravate me that they do that. And, yeah. You know, I have to constantly remind myself of that because 
I just want to, I just want to be like, just shut up and be alone, you know, <laughs> but I go, you know what? This is good. This is the type of stuff that they need. They need to have these questions and, and I need to encourage yeah. these questions because that's what's going to cause them to grow. That's the exact same thing that that's the analogy for Christians growing in their faith. You know, yeah. that's what, and, and, you know, think about that thing. I'm not saying when I said earlier that we argue about, you know, useless things on Facebook, I'm not saying that it's wrong to get on Facebook and, and discuss things and have conversations and, you know, even bicker, you know, there, it's, it's not wrong to do those things, but do it with the attitude of love, do it with the attitude of charity, you know, always kind of assume the best out of your, out of the person that you're, you're going, having a conversation with, try to assume the best, try to say, maybe this person doesn't understand something. And, yeah. and is there something, is there a way that I can help them understand? You know, you always, you always laugh at me because I ask questions about everything. That's part of that. Like what I'm trying to do is I don't want to just tell people things, you know, even though I might know an answer, I don't want to just tell them the answer because then mm -hmm. all they're going to do is regurgitate that answer right back. I don't know. That's not the point. I want to ask a question that makes them think in a certain line that they go, okay, I understand why where you're coming. And then they have the 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 freedom to say, I understand where you're coming from. That's a stupid yeah. line of thinking. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You 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 really do operate under that whole like give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish and you feed him for his lifetime. Like, yeah. like you will <laughs> help you will help someone understand the situation, the context, the content, whatever it is. Like you will, you will do your best to help them understand like why things are a certain way and let them reach the conclusion on their own rather than yeah. just giving it to them. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the which, thing which is, which is one of the things I love about you. Like, I think yeah. it's one of the, like, it's one of those things that is like, you are incredibly smart and in an alternate react, like alternate reality, Anthony, I think you would be like a giant jerk and just like, <laughs> Like, I know a lot more than you. Here's what I know, and I'm going to make you feel dumb for 20 minutes for having to ask this <laughs> dumb, ridiculous question. Like, like I've never <laughs> asked a question and felt like, eh, I feel like Anthony's going to make fun of me for this question. <laughs> like, it's, it's always more like, that's a great question. Here's what I think about it. But here's why. It's not only here's what I think about it, but also, like, here's why I think that about yeah. it. Yeah. And then I take that information and do with it whatever I want to, which yeah. is again, one of the things I love about you. So, so, but that, I mean, that's, that's what like a servant to me, to me, that's how yeah. I understand a servant style discipleship, because yeah. if I'm not helping you understand and learn and grow, if I'm not helping somebody or if that, if somebody's not helping me, you know, I feel like it's a two way street when you do it that way, mm -hmm. because you know, there's been times when I've gotten into a conversation and I'm doing this with somebody and they start throwing questions right back at me. And I'm like, well, all right. And I hang on a second. Now you're, you're challenging my assumptions back, back to me. And now I'm having to think about mine or are mine correct? You know, am I even in right. the right line of thinking? So, and that's, you know, that has changed my position on several things, but when you can do it that way, when you have this servant mindset, instead of the, I'm going to beat you over the head with my facts. Because, you know, it's like that that seems to be the the modern yeah. day thing right now. So I'm just going to beat you with facts. And if you don't capitulate to my line of thinking, then you're just a stupid, ignorant bigot, you know, right. throw out all the adjectives you want to throw out. Like, I'm right. Here's why I'm right. And if you think anything other than what I think, then you're wrong. That's right. And if like, you don't approach the, it the, the same thinking. way I do. <laughs> yeah. Which is ridiculous to think. I think it also, is. too, like you were talking about being frustrated when your kids like come to you saying why 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 daddy why daddy mm -hmm. i feel like um like lois uh, or, <laughs> Stewie. or Stewie. mom 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 mommy mom mom mommy mom and she just like snaps at the end like how great is it to know that we can come to god over and over and over and over and over and over again yeah. and he's never going to snap at us yeah like god is never going to get to the point where he's like oh, i cannot believe anthony or michael is coming to me with this again. Again. Like, like I've had to explain this to them 76 times. Like I cannot un I cannot believe that like God is never like that. And I think that's like so 
so comforting to know mm-hmm. that God isn't a God that ever gets tired of us coming to him yeah. with our questions, with our struggles, with our doubts, with our with with, a, with, a, with whatever it is. Yeah. Like God never gets tired of us coming to him. Yeah. So um, yeah. I would encourage you keep going to God with whatever it is that. That's right. You have you're dealing with because he's going to he's never going to like turn you away without an answer. Yep. So. Ooh, that got deep for there, a second. There we go. That, that well, was a little sidebar. Right. That was free. So that's that's the second passion <laughs> of this section. The third passion prediction um, wraps up the section here. Um, and again, the disciples, they get more concerned with their own authority rather mm-hmm. than seeing the world with this kingdom minded view. Um, I mean, Mark briefly points out that they're, you know, that they're focusing on the wrong thing here. Um, and it's, it's crazy to think like Jesus is telling him, okay, guys, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. You guys need to, you know, I'm, you know, uh, really in like, not enjoy this time, but like value this time that you have yeah. with me because there's not much of it left no. and the disciples are like hey who's gonna be in charge who's <laughs> what's what's going on like like do i like get to be first <laughs> like they they're covering they're or not covering they're coveting positions of authority rather yeah. than time with their savior yep which is nuts and the, the disciples and, and, the disciples are that kid that always goes i want to be line leader i want to be line leader that's what they are it's like <laughs> like Okay, well, the line leader still has to follow the teacher, right? Like, right. Still does. It's anyway. So that gets us through part three. Um, why don't you take us most of the rest of the way? Yep. So part four is uh, it's going to be the the climax of the book. Um, it's going to wrap us up, uh, except for the closing closing section here. Um, but the he's this is this is the Passion Week. This is the the movement into Jerusalem. Uh, we're leading up to the crucifixion, and and that's that's what we're doing. That's that's where the story's taking us. So, um, the religious opposition has really kind of faded away, even through the the Passion section that you were just talking through, um, and the one before that, where I you know the disciples have kind of been the focus here for a little while, but they're going to come back into the forefront here. Um, and they're going to do it to really show the division. So this first kind of breakup, this first section is the house divided. It's going to carry us chapters, the end of very end of chapter 10 through most of chapter 13, um, pretty much all of chapter 13. And there's a story here of, of another person, another blind man being healed. So this is Bartimaeus, um, being healed. And you get this same contrast that you had just a little bit ago where, um, there's a blind man who sees Jesus for who he really is. And then you have like the disciples and the religious leaders who don't see him for who he really is. Mm. Um, and so, so that's, again, that plays into this whole mystery motif where some people understand, some people don't, um, you know, and it's, it's kind of, uh, it, it, it really just kind of is at the, the, the will of God as to how this story plays out. Um, at least in the narrative, that's, that's the way it reads. And so, you have three prophetic actions here. You have the triumphal entry, the cursing of the fig tree, and then the cleansing of the temple that serve as this prophetic uh, symbolic sacrifice. Uh, Jesus kind of presenting himself as a sacrifice. And that's going to be what walks us up to the cross. Now, I think I may have mentioned this before, possibly when we were talking about Exodus. Um, but I, I had mentioned uh if you if you want to get into a deep dive or a deep study of something that is very interesting, um, study the Passion Week and the events that happened, the, the historical timeline of the Passion Week, and then compare that to the timeline of the Passover. Um, because it's very, very... The things that happened, the things that Exodus, uh, that God commanded the Israelites to do in Exodus leading up to the Passover, and then the events that happened the week of the, the, the Passion leading up to the crucifixion are just, I mean, 
they're they're spot on. You know, you had to observe the lamb for a certain amount of days. Well, Jesus was back and forth before the crowds being questioned by Pontius Pilate, um, Herod, you know, all of these things happened where in the and the crowds kept demanding, kept saying, you know, crucify him and and all of that that led up to it, you know, and and uh, you got uh, Pilate saying, I'm, you know, I'm washing my hands of this guy. Um, all of this stuff is is analogous and is metaphorical to to the actual event of the Passover. Um, mm-hmm. All you know, and and then e- even I'll, I'll give you this little tidbit here. It even gets down to when they cooked the lamb, they could not break the bones of the lamb when they cooked it. Now in Isaiah, it says that none of his bones would be broken, and none of Jesus's bones were broken. So. I mean, mm-hmm. all the way down to just little little things like that. So, um, but as we're getting into it, we we end up verse uh, chapters fourteen and fifteen. This is the story of the crucifixion. Uh, Mark really continues this typical kind of high flying, uh, rapid fire thing. He he walks through the whole crucifixion and gets all the way to the resurrection just really fast. Um, doesn't give a whole lot of details. You know, you talk about through Matthew and and you had the the trek and you had the story of, of Simon uh, of Cyrene carrying the cross and, and all of the other details and, and things that, that Jesus did on the cross um, that Matthew records that Mark doesn't Mark's just like it happened. He was crucified. Here's, you know, the overall gist of it and he's buried. They, you know, Mark does mention Joseph of Arimathea uh, and the tomb, but what that does is that sets up, chapter 16 and if you have a bible you realize that that we're kind of stopping at 168 and there are more verses so we're going to talk about that in a minute but i want you to kind of just get us the the epilogue here the the final little section of mark yeah so um uh, chapter 16 through verse 8 um the end of mark carries a lot of debate here um Jesus is raised. Um, the story goes on, but the final word is fear. Uh, did Mark write more? Um, or did he intend his readers to change fear into awe? Like he just leaves the resurrection kind of open ended. Yeah. Much like a lot of his gospel, honestly. Yeah. Like it's, it's rapid fire. <laughs> like, like I've got it pulled up here. Um, <laughs> feel like I mean I could read all of this. I think I think it would be fine. Um, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and and Solomon, so, or not Solomon, uh, Salome, Salome, so I don't know where her name is. Uh, bought spices so they could go and anoint him very early in the morning, on the first day of the week. They went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, "Who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us?" Looking up, they observed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. They were amazed and alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene, who is crucified. He has been resurrected. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you uh, to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. So they went out and started running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them, and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. So, he's resurrected. This is the mm-hmm. this is before. This is before the, the famous, like, in John, where um, John and another one of the disciples, I don't remember who it is, race to the tomb. Yeah. To to see who, to, to see the, the empty tomb. Mark doesn't even go into that detail here. Yeah. Mark is just basically like, you're resurrected? The lady saw him. They left. Like that. That, that was the whole. That, that's <laughs> that's the cliff notes of Mark's cliff notes is what happened there. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting that our book stops at verse eight, though. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go into that for a second? Yeah. So verses nine through twenty. These uh, these last twelve verses are the source of much scholarly debate. 
Um, if you have a modern version, they are included with the little sidebar that says earliest manuscripts do not contain verses 9 through 20. Um, they don't know if somebody went back and added it after Mark. Um, there's part of it that's not really like it doesn't really fit with anything else in Mark. The whole part about handling snakes and 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 uh, if you if you live in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, you're probably familiar with snake handlers and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's popular up there, but it, it's it's interesting because I honestly like I honestly think that Mark concluded in, in verse eight because that seems to fit the narrative and the motif that Mark has been painting the whole time. Um, he doesn't give you a lot of facts. Uh, well, I say he doesn't give you a lot of facts. He does give you a lot of facts, but he doesn't give you a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. Um, he gives you, uh, just like the bare bones of what you need to know to put a story together. Um, if Mark were making a movie, it would probably be a terrible movie because, <laughs> because it's, I mean, you'd be like, wait, what, 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 you know, if, if your wife is watching the movie with you, she's like, what just happened? Who is that? Where did they come from? What are they doing? It's, it's like Mark <laughs> witnessed a crime and he could tell you everything that happened, but he couldn't give you any of the details. Yeah. <laughs> for the situation. Like what yeah. color jacket did the guy wear? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just know that he did he did he just stole a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what did he look like? Are you even sure it was a guy? Like 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 that's Mark, I don't just a person <laughs> stole some stuff. Like, I don't know. You are no <laughs> help. That is how it reads, but you know that's that's the beauty of the synoptics is when you put them all together, they create yeah. this huge narrative, and and it's yeah. it's a it's a wonderful narrative. But yeah. you know, do am I glad that we have it? Are they are these verses in later transcripts of Mark? Yes, you know, to me, these last verses, if anything, all they do is solidify the textual accuracy of the New Testament that we have today. Mm -hmm. um, that's what they do. So. I can take them. I can leave them. You know, they're they're not in the earliest manuscripts, so I don't I don't think they have they have to be in there. But if they are in there and we read them, then then let's just figure out what God can teach us from these verses. Yep. You know, He does give the, like a modified version of the Great Commission mm -hmm. at the end of it. There, so you I mean you do have that that parallels to Matthew and. Um, and so there are those details, the little details in there, but I don't, I don't know that I would base any of my doctrine that I held firmly, uh, on anything from Mark chapter 16 verses nine through 20. <laughs> that's fair. So, you know, so that's, that's kind of how Mark closes out and, and, and he leaves us really just like he, he picked us up um, kind of in a whirlwind. He comes in really fast. He leaves really fast, but Mark is a, is a fantastic gospel to, to mm -hmm. really give somebody an overview. So, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to disciple, if you're trying to, to share the gospel with somebody, don't be afraid to, to, to go to Mark and, think oh they're going to ask me questions because there's not enough detail for me to answer don't don't think like that just go in and say let me give you a summary message uh of what this is and and uh, again i would encourage people to read the book of mark without chapters and verses in it um if you can get a copy uh, of god's word without chapters and verses read the whole bible without because it's it'll really change the way you read a lot of stuff but mm -hmm. specifically mark just because of the way the narrations flow it'll have a whole different feel to the way you're reading it. So um, that would be my encouragement for, for the book of Mark. Um, I guess a, one more little piece of advice there. I probably should have mentioned that last week, but um, anything else you have to add to that? I don't think so. Awesome. Well, will you pray for us tonight? Of course. I would love to. Let's do it. Uh, so father, thank you for uh, tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to discuss the book of Mark. Um, thank you for including this gospel in your word to us. Thank you for um, the words that you put on a page uh, for us to read, for us to learn. Um, thank you for the for the briefness of the book of Mark. Thank you um, that it's unique to the other gospels uh, in that way. And thank you for um, just the truths that we see in there. Thank you for the um, the parallels between. Um, the blind 
man being healed by Jesus and the disciples who are also blind to what Jesus is doing. Thank you for um, just the truth that pours out of um, out of this book, uh, out of this uh, out of this uh, this word from you. And God, I pray that we take it and uh, we we do deeper dives on our own. I pray that we uh, pull the things out of the book of Mark that we can apply to our own lives um, uniquely. Um, and I pray that you uh, you just help us to to do that with each and every book that we read uh, out of your word. Um, we thank you for uh, your goodness to us, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for... Um, for the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf so that we may have a relationship with you. Um, and so God, I pray that you continue to uh, work and move in mighty ways as you always do. And uh, we look forward to what you're going to continue to do through, through us all and in us all. And God, we just pray that you um, are honored and glorified in everything and all things that we do. And pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, Anthony, if our listeners wanted to find us on various social media platforms, how would they go about doing that? The places you can reach us are Instagram, uh, beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. You can find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible podcast um, and you can uh, email us directly at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com and send all of your requests, um, why you think we're right, we're wrong. Um, it, tell us all the reasons you love things like IPAs um, and you think that I'm a closet Calvinist, uh, as Michael pointed out tonight, and uh, why that's you, wrong. I think you, I think you uh, left the... I don't, I don't think there's a closet anymore. I think the door is <laughs> wide open. <laughs> um, I may have opened that door and walked out. That's entirely possible. <laughs> but it is what it is. So anyway, tell us all the reasons why uh, why you don't like us, and we'll be glad to respond to those with, with charity and grace. So there you go. Until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold. I hope that your Bible stays open, and we'll see you later. Peace out.